I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. And that is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. This is Lee Pedanoff from the Arena Talks podcast, where we profile up-and-coming leaders from across the country. Ross Morales Riquetto is the co-founder of Run for Something. Ross has over a decade of experience working on political campaigns and is now focused on bringing more young people into the fold. His new organization, Run for Something, is working to build a bench of young, progressive political leaders. I learned a lot from our conversation, including a few things that surprised me. I think you will too. All right, Ross, welcome to the Arena Talks podcast. We're excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, How did you get started in politics? I got started, my first election was 15 years ago, uh, and I got my start in local Texas politics. So, um, you know, a little bit of a very, I got a very quick education um, in how lo- how local politics really looks. Um, I got my first real break uh, in 2005 when I was the deputy field director and GOTV director for Julian Castro's first campaign for mayor. Uh, and then from there, I bounced around the country. I was uh, in Iowa in 2008 working for Governor Bill Richardson uh, in Sioux City, Iowa as an organizer. Um, I worked on some statewide campaigns uh, in Maryland uh, as well as Missouri. Uh, and then a few years ago, I ended up uh, working for Paul Tews and Juliana Smoot at their consulting firm. Uh, doing a combination of some candidate work, issue advocacy, uh, and that kind of stuff. And then during the 16 cycle, I was at a super PAC called For Our Future, where we did, it was all field, it was an all field super PAC. Uh, So everything that we did was in swing states and was around all about field and organizing. Do you have a, do you have an election night story? So I know as I've talked with a lot of folks, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as I've talked to a lot of folks, you know, people either bouncing back from uh, their election day hangover the next day or whatever it was, some sort of uh, eureka moment in the November election this year. Do you have one of those? Oh, um, I was late to our election night party at For a Future. Um, I, my program that I was specifically... Uh, in charge of as election day approached was our peer to peer texting program. Uh, And we were operating in Nevada and we had people continuing to text until the polls closed there. So I uh, was probably one of the last people that showed up at the election night party. And I honestly hadn't been watching the results until then. I had just been focused on making sure we got as many text messages out to voters as we could. And I remember distinctly walking into the party and seeing that Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan um, were all trouble spots on the map. And I knew almost immediately that the election was lost uh, and sort of proceeded to, I actually didn't drink that night um, or at least at the party. uh, And I sort of went over into a corner and sort of just braced myself for what was about to happen. But the truth was yeah. that it didn't even, I never really, I still am not sure that I've even fully processed um, what happened on election night. 
Well, and I know pretty soon after election night, uh, you and Amanda launch Run for Something. Um, talk to us a little bit about what the organization is. Sure. So Run for Something uh, is dedicated to uh, recruiting and supporting uh, young, diverse, progressive candidates to run for down-ballot offices, which essentially means uh, anything below federal office and anything below statewide office. So that includes offices like city council, school board, um, you know, board of supervisors, district attorneys, races like that. And, you know, this may sound like a, a silly question, but I think it's important to at least name. Like, why is it, why is it important that we get more people uh, to run for office? Yeah, I got... I became committed to candidate recruitment work pretty early on in my career. I was let down by a number of candidates that I worked for, not all, but many. Um, and also realized that in my daily life that um, I had a lot of people who didn't let me down. Uh, and I didn't understand what, why necessarily politicians had to be any different. Um, and so from an early age, I sort of came into a place where I believed that one of the biggest challenges, especially in our party, was the talent pipeline. Uh, we just weren't getting the types of people that we wanted uh, into elected office. And then as I s sort of rose through the ranks in politics and began to see how candidate recruitment actually worked, I began to realize that there was no, that it wasn't as intentional, I think, as any of us would have liked it to be. Uh, and because of the lack of intentionality, in a lot of cases, we end up with the same types of candidates over and over and over again, uh, because we end up with people who are self-selecting uh, into the process. So from an early age, like I became super interested in candidate recruitment and candidate support. Got it. And I, you know, this probably relates to what I was going to ask next, which is and part of the mission of Run for Something is to recruit younger people, specifically under the age of 35, and people who are a little bit more unconventional, um, maybe have a career in something that is in no way related to, to politics. Um, why is that? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like why young people and why people who are a little bit more unconventional? Sure. I, I think the thing that we care the most about um, and that is, you know, like at the top of our mind all the time is that we need to do a better job at sourcing candidates uh, that are from traditionally marginalized communities. Uh, and, you know, that's part of the reason why, you know, young, like it's important for us to be in some cases, you know, that's why it's important for us to be looking at young people that's why it's important for us to be looking for diverse candidates. And that's why it's important for us to be looking in places that the Democratic Party traditionally hasn't been looking in. Because as we move into the next, you know, decade, um, you know, of our party and having Donald Trump as president, one thing that I think we've been learning from election after election is that uh, it's when we have candidates that are on the ballot that don't look like their district, um, that don't necessarily reflect, reflect the life experiences of their district, we have a hard time getting voters to come out and vote for them. 
and so right now, you know, like with the millennial demographic being the largest generation uh, around, you know, with the fact that we don't have nearly enough um, people of color and women in elected office, you know, I, I think we're sort of, it's long past due um, for us to live the values that we say that we have as a party. Yeah. And you mentioned the Democratic Party needing to focus on communities that they've ignored for a long time. Do you have any examples? Like what would be some areas of the country or communities around the country where you're focusing your work to start with one for something? So for us, it's actually about the candidates less than it is uh, about specific districts. And so, you know, we are willing to work with candidates no matter where they are in the country. Um, you know, it is extremely important for us, you know, to also be making sure that we're sourcing, you know, diverse candidates from the places that we're going to be in. And, you know, I would say that, you know, our representation in terms of candidates right now, um, we are overrepresented in probably what I'd say like medium sized cities. So places like St. Louis and Memphis, uh, you know, Austin, Texas, Places smaller, small or medium-sized cities is a place where we have a lot of folks who have stood up and are really interested in running for office. We definitely have folks that are in rural areas, and we also have folks, you know, in larger cities as you would expect. Um, I think, though, you know, the thing that's unique about what we're trying to do is that rather than necessarily focusing on a district and then trying to, like, source candidates from those districts we're starting with the candidates themselves uh, along the theory that more young, diverse, progressive people running for office uh, will help everyone up and down the, the ballot, especially in the short term, because you'll have people who are authentic to their communities reaching out and doing one-on-one -on -one voter contact in places that, you know, coordinated campaigns uh, and talking to voters that coordinated campaigns um, or like statewide gubernatorial campaigns may not be going out and talking to, uh, due to the way that they're trying to use their resources. So, um, we think what like that, the model that we're pursuing is going to help Democrats and progressives up and down the ticket, um, in the short term and in the longer term, we're looking to build a bench, like a deep bench of, um, Democrat, like Democratic and progressive future members of Congress, senators, etc. That's really interesting. So you're focused more on the the people that are running the candidates versus the um, the elections themselves or a specific part of the country. Like when you're going through your recruitment process or or deciding who you're going to um, support, what sort of key key things are you looking for? So the first thing that I just sort of want to say is that like we as an organization operate with a significantly higher risk tolerance. And I think more traditional organizations in the progressive and democratic space do. Um, and so one of the sort of ways that I like to talk about it is that, you know, when people come in the door and they say that they tell us that they're interested in running for office you know, we make sure that everyone who's interested in having a one-on-one -on -one conversation is able to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, and so as we move people through 
that process, uh, we're able to get a better idea of who they are, why they're interested in running for office. And a lot of times in those conversations, we hear from them, you know, maybe like running for, you know, after hearing more about running for office is like, maybe it's not the thing for them. Maybe they want to get involved in a local organization or involved in the local campaign. And we'll, you know, if that's the case, we'll help set them up. But I think, you know, for us at the end of the day, um, like it's really about like finding people who are like deeply rooted in their community, people who like really understand their local issues, folks who identify as being progressive, folks that are Democrats or uh, will caucus with Democrats. Uh, those are the, you know, really key things that, you know, we're looking for in our candidates. And, you know, I would say, like, personally, you know, the issue of diversity and sourcing our candidates um, sort of like is goes hand in hand with making sure that candidates are deeply rooted in their community and understand the community issues and the community struggles. Yeah, and I would imagine that if you find if you identify someone who's really deeply rooted and connected with the community, they probably have a much greater chance of success in running there um, and would be just a much more effective, like elected representative for the people from that community. Yeah. And so Um, often those folks don't, no one ever taps those folks on the shoulder. Yeah. And so that's when, that's where run for something comes in. It sounds like that's great. Um, (laughs) Uh, what Ross, what has surprised you the most since launching the organization only a few months ago? I would say the appetite that there is for this. Um, when we launched, we thought a hundred people would sign up to run for office in the first year. And in the first weekend, over a thousand people signed up to run for office today. We have over 10,000 people who've expressed interest and running for office, we've screened well over a thousand of those individuals, uh, and we're about to roll out our first sets of endorsements uh, in the coming in the coming days and weeks. So, um, I, I think to me, the thing that's been the most surprising is just how hungry people are um, to do this type of work right now. And, you know, I read your, when, uh, I think back in January, uh, Run for Something release uh, a strategic plan and then a follow-up, I think it was in March, um, with some changes. What were some of those key changes and, and why were they made? I think the changes that we've made have mostly centered around two, a couple of things. The first is, making sure that everything that we do is centered around our candidates and making sure that they're able to get the access to the best resources that we can possibly provide. Um, I would say the second piece is the the second sort of like bucket is around dealing with um, dealing with volume. Uh, I think when we first started, we did not anticipate the number of people who would stand up. And so a number of the changes that we've made have been to make it easier for us to handle the incoming, um, the incoming that's out there um, to handle, you know, the desire that people have 
to make changes in their communities. And then Ross, once you've identified uh, candidates, excuse me, to support, what sort of resources and support do you do you provide them with? So like if I'm a candidate, what could I expect um, if I were to be supported by run or something? Sure. And the first thing I'll say is that a majority of our candidates and our first and second time folks. Uh, so there's three general buckets of support that we provide. The first is we act as a clearinghouse to other resources in the progressive movement that often uh, is reflected in trainings. So, you know, we connect people to the Emily's lists of the world. We connect people to the trainings offered by the National Democratic Training Committee, uh, to the folks at Vote Run Lead, uh, Emerge America, those types of organizations. Um, the second thing that we do is we provide mentorship support for our candidates. So once a candidate has been screened, we connect them with somebody in their state uh, who's a political expert, and that political expert helps walk them through the process um, of what it's like to run for office, gives them advice and support, and oftentimes forms longer-term relationships there. Uh, and then the third thing that we do is we give candidates money. Uh, so in Virginia, we have seven candidates that we've endorsed in the general election. We had seven candidates that we endorsed in the primary uh, that occurred on June 12th. Uh, and then in addition to sort of that money piece, we're about to roll out endorsements for others, for candidates in other states uh, that will be coming out in probably the next two weeks. Those candidates specifically won't be getting money in 2017. However, in 2018, they will be a part of um, our expand when we decide when we expand uh, our funding program. Gotcha. Um, Ross, in talking to a lot of people who are on the fence about running for office, one thing that I've heard pretty regularly is, ju is just a little bit of like fear and intimidation. People are interested, like they, they want to run, but they're scared to raise money or they want to run. They just don't know how to like build a campaign infrastructure and how to figure out which doors to knock and, and who to talk to. Um, and I noticed when I was reading your strategic plan, you mentioned those two challenges as difficult things for candidates to overcome. Um, how do we, how do we help people overcome those challenges? And, just, and more importantly, like what, what do we say to someone who's maybe on the fence who's weighing a run for office might be a little bit afraid about raising money or might be, might not know how to build a, a campaign infrastructure. I think what maybe I'm about to say will be a little bit surprising and I'm actually, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprising is good. <laughs> I'm personally not interested in trying to push someone over the fence to run for office because that's a deeply personal decision. Um, because running for office requires so much of so much time and energy and investment of resources uh, and oftentimes putting, you know, a lot of things in the backseat uh, for a period of time. So, but what I will say is one of the reasons that we exist is to, is to help folks overcome a number of those obstacles for folks who are on the fence. A lot of times what I say is, Running for office is simple, but not easy. Um, the 
especially if you're running for local offices, you know, in smaller areas, um, the things that you need to do uh, are relatively straightforward. You know, you need to put together a list of donors or of people that you've met over the course of your entire life and put those individuals' contact information into a spreadsheet uh, along with like a dollar amount that you think they might be willing to contribute to your campaign. Then you need to put together a fundraising pitch, um, which also will likely serve as like a broader campaign narrative for you. So the question that you're trying to ask is, why me? And doing those things, actually then making those phone calls and making those asks is a much more difficult, is a much more difficult proposition uh, than just like putting the list together. And so in a lot of cases, you know, what I think makes sense for folks is to think about times where they've taken big risks in their lives um, and whether people have shown up for them. And, you know, what I say is when you run for office and you take that risk, in many cases, the people around you in your life show up for you. Um, the thing I would add to that, though, is, you know, everybody knows their own individual circumstance better than I ever could. Um, and so I think when folks are thinking and considering, um, they should one think that, think about the fact that more people will show up than they expect. And, you know, do the people in their network, do the people that they know have a history of showing up? Um, like when, when big, when they're taking big risks and, uh, I think that's, that goes for, you know, fundraising that goes to putting together a campaign that goes to knocking on doors and finding volunteers to help. Um, and the reason that we encourage candidates to run for local offices, as opposed to, for example, Congress is because for a local office, you can win while basically getting a list of voters who tend to vote in those types of elections and going and knocking on their doors and meeting them, mm -hmm. you know, like at neighborhood meetings um, and meeting them outside the grocery store. So those are winnable races. Um, if you can convince your people in your neighborhood, um, in your city, that you are the better person to represent them. Uh, and doing that on a level like, like a congressional level is much more difficult. And so, you know, one of the, th I think one of the ways to sort of get people over that fear is to talk to them about um, the things that they would actually have to be doing on a daily basis and sort of breaking out the numbers for them to show them that, you know, what you really need to do is knock on 2000 doors in the next eight months, which is totally doable. Um, and as a matter of fact, you may be able to knock on more than that in the next eight months uh, if you like really buckle down and do it. So that was a long-winded way of answering your question. No, but that's super helpful though. So my, my takeaway there is that, you know, it's, it's a hugely personal decision 
to, to run for office, but you know, we're an organization like run for something can come in is for someone who's decided they're in, you can help them overcome those, those challenges like fundraising, like building a, a campaign infrastructure. So I would amend that to say we're a partner in those things. Um, you know, in places where we're going to endorse and give money, like we can clearly be helpful there. But I think there's a common misconception and I understand how it happens that there's like a money button that you push. Um, and then all of a sudden like donors like are always like are, are interested in your campaign. Uh, and that's just not how it works. And the reason that, um, you know, we have the elected leaders that we currently have is because their networks of people, the folks that they interact with on a daily basis, uh, have more money to give mm-hmm. and are trained in a lot of ways to give and give their money um, to in politics, as opposed to a lot of individuals who like, you know, might be a teacher or like a community organizer or, you know, just somebody somebody who's been in their community and doing the work, those folks have a network of people who are less likely to contribute to them. And there's, you know, the way that you overcome that deficit um, is to out hustle the other side to make sure that you're out there talking to voters because all of the research points to -to one-on-one face-to-face conversations with voters are the most effective way to persuade them to vote for you and to get them to come out and vote. And Mm -hmm. so there's nothing. And I like really, I, this is a really important point for me. And I like really try to drive this home with candidates is that like, there's no one out there that like is suddenly going to wake up one day and decide to fund your campaign for you. Your campaign is going to be funded by the people that you know in your community, by the people who are close to you in your life. Um, And that's what makes it inspiring. And that's what makes it worth doing. Um, But it doesn't make it easier. And it is one of the biggest challenges, especially for young folks and folks from marginalized communities when they run for office. Uh, And... That's why encouraging people to run for local offices is so important because you can overcome those. You can, and it's extremely difficult to overcome those barriers when you're trying to talk to a few hundred thousand voters, as opposed to when you're trying to talk to three or 4,000 voters. Yeah. And Ross, what, uh, what's next for run for something? Uh, We're going into the 2018, like everything that we're doing right now uh, is geared towards a continuing to support our 2017 candidates and B uh, making sure that we're ready for scaling in 2018. We, to this point, we've had 10,000 people tell us that they want to run for office by the end of 2018. We want to have 50,000 people who stood up and told us that they're interested in running for office. And so You know, all of the things that we're doing other than supporting 2017 candidates are all about making sure that in 2018, we're ready to hit the ground running. Well, Ross, thank you so much for your time. I I learned a ton here. I know our listeners uh, will as well. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Ross.